morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jim, for the songs. I think God is bringing everything together this morning with what Mike mentioned around the table and what Mike prayed for and what we plan to talk about and the songs Jimmy led. So the Spirit of God is working. We want to turn to Matthew 28 there. That's where we're going to be our base text from which we're going to work this morning. As we've noted in the last month or so, as we know, in every generation, evil rears its ugly head. And we can certainly see it in our day and age, and it seems like that head is getting bigger and bigger and just... Dreaming up more and crazier things, more wicked things to do. And part of the problem today is that it seems that this, these evils and wickedness are being approved by so many people and even encouraged by so many people. The devil never sleeps. He never takes a minute off. And we've got to remember that. He's always concocting, he's always scheming, he's trying always to work through somebody to do something else to bring down God's, God's design, God's plan, God's world, to bring you down, to bring down the body of Christ. He's always working on something. So to oppose the forces of evil, the forces of Satan, we must be all in. We must be, as they say, the old phrase, in it to win it. We can't be dabbling around, fence-sitting, and just playing a game. We have to realize lives, cultures, civilizations, countries, and souls are at stake. Like we've said before, I don't, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we would never have dreamed things would be happening in this country that are now. Things would be being promoted in this country the way they are now. That's all the devil's work. And you and I, as members of the body of Christ, have got to do our part to stand against that. Jesus understood this. All right? Uh, and when he was leaving the disciples going back into heaven, about to ascend to his Father, he gave them reassurance. He gave them two things here in this text. He gave them reassurance, and he gave them the way to overcome evil. And it was all or nothing. That's, that's the way it has to be. It's all or nothing. You're even, either in or you're out. And this is what I see here in this text. He's telling the disciples and then ultimately us what we need to serve him, to overcome evil in our own lives and in the world, to bring people out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of the Son of his love, Jesus Christ. So let's read this, and then we'll work our way through it. And we're going to observe here the four alls. 
There are four alls in this text. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This was after his resurrection. Uh, he was obviously planning to leave. We sang about that in the, in the song. They did see him ascend back to heaven. But here in this situation, uh, they went to Galilee. He had told them he was going to go ahead of them there, and they were to come and see him there. Uh, they saw him, and it says they worshipped him. They, they bowed the knee. They humbled their hearts. They acknowledged him as God. But what does it say? Some were doubtful or some doubted. Even for them, you know, this was a little bit difficult to accept and understand. You remember Thomas. She said appeared in that, that room to the other ones, but Thomas wasn't there. And they said, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, well, that's okay. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see and I want to touch. It was so unbelievably difficult to believe that someone would die and come back from the dead. So some here are doubting. Uh, it doesn't say exactly what they're doubting. Are they doubting, is it really Jesus? Is this really him? Is it a substitute? Somebody that looks like him? Are they doubting that he really died? You know, all of these things people say today about Jesus' death and resurrection, the, to say that it didn't really happen. Was he really resurrected? Did he really come back? Is he the Christ after all? Is, this, is he really the one? Again, their picture of who the Messiah was to be is, was not the mold that Jesus took. Not this great king riding in to form an army and overcome the legions of Rome. So they had doubts. And I think that's why this passage unfolds the way it is, because Jesus wants to remove their doubts. And we have doubts too. And don't say you don't. We see the evil in the world. We see it perpetrating. We see it getting worse and worse. And we wonder, does God see? Does God care? Has he forsaken us? And we know, as he did with kingdoms in the past, those who walked away from him, even his own people, Israel, he said, I'm going to leave you for a while and you're going to go into exile until you learn your lesson. It's a scary thought. We doubt, you know, someone asks us a spiritual question, you know, one of these uh, mind benders, and we don't have an answer. 
And we wonder, you know, did they did he hit on something there that's true? Someone we know, maybe someone very close to us, they go back into the world. They stop serving the Lord. And they say, I'm done with it. I don't believe it anymore. That can cause us to doubt. Maybe he's got, maybe she's onto something. Maybe she knows something I don't know. Some atheistic scientists posit some new idea about origins that sounds plausible. And we start to wonder, is he right? And then recently, I mentioned this in one of our fellowships, some politician says, what is the good of prayer if it cannot prevent a gunman from coming into a school and shooting it up? Did you hear that one? What's your answer to that? Satan loves to sow seeds of doubt. He really does. Even our own failures, we look at ourselves and we understand we are sinners and should, should do better, should do more. And we wonder why we don't, why we can't overcome our weaknesses. So we need the words of reassurance from our Lord. That's what he's doing here. He's reassuring us and he was reassuring the disciples. Notice what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All of it. Yes, he's delegated some authority to world leaders, church leaders, fathers, husbands. But the authority resides in him. All of it. They in particular needed to see this and understand it because he had just submitted himself to the Jewish religious leaders, their authority, and to the Romans who put him to death. And that would, we know it caused them to doubt because they were in the upper room and they were afraid. He was dead at one point. And so he had submitted to them. But now he's coming back and saying, you know, I've got authority over them now, and not just over them, where well, he always did, but he is now ruler of the kings of the earth, as we read in Revelation chapter 1. And he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He has overcome sin. He has overcome death. He's overcome the grave. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Over all those spirit beings, even over Satan, he now rules. He is over him. We need to hear that. We need to know that. We need to believe it. And so we do not fear and we do not doubt that he is the sovereign king of kings and lord of lords. So no matter what happens to us, we can persevere. Because we look back and say, well, he submitted. He submitted these authorities. If that's God's will for us, we'll submit to these authorities. 
but we'll not give up our faith and we'll not stop believing and teaching what's true and right. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Let's look at Colossians 1 real quick. I like the book of Colossians. I love the book of Colossians. It talks so much about Jesus and who he is. Colossians 1.15, listen to what Paul says. For he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. For the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that's all those powers that Paul talks about in Ephesians, all things have been created through him and for him. It's all for him, even from the beginning. And he is before all things, in him all things hold together or consist. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will come to have first place or the preeminence in everything. All authority has been given to me. He has the first place. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is Jesus now. All authority has been given to me. Again, we need to recognize that, accept it, know it, and live our lives daily understanding that not to fear man, nor the evil one. Yeah, we respect his power to, to trick us and to tempt us, but we know Jesus is over him. So all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So this is why he can then give these orders, okay? Now here's what we have to do, he's telling the disciples. Now that you understand this, and of course they didn't understand it all yet until the Holy Spirit was to come there on Pentecost and unfold so much more to them. But this, this is what we've got to do now to overcome evil and to combat sin and to bring people from their serving the devil into the kingdom to serving, to serving me, to serving the Lord. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. There's the second all, all the nations. He has the authority to do this, and now he says, let's go do this. This is what I want you to do. And he's giving us the marching orders and the command to do this. This gospel, this opportunity for life, for life eternal, is for all people. The Jew first, as the scripture says, but and also for the Greek or the Gentile, and that's everybody else. And we had the lesson a while back on about God is also God of the Gentiles. So, whether it's Asia or Europe, North America, Africa, Australia, South America, wherever you want to go, go to all the nations. 
God is concerned and loves all people. The rich or the poor, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The educated or those from the backwoods, doesn't matter. He wants them saved. The beautiful or the plain, God wants them saved. You know, we tend at times to be attracted only to our own kind of group of people or culture. We have to be very careful about that. God never said just go to your own kind. He said to go to all nations and all people. And so that requires us, as we use the term so often, to get out of our comfort zone and meet people of different ways and different situations in order to bring the gospel to them. The old and the young, doesn't matter. You're in your twilight years or you're just starting out, God wants you saved. He's interested. Every skin color, every hair color, every eye color, every background, whether something, some person is really morally upright, and as we would say, a good person, or somebody is quite despicable and has done a whole lot of things that we, would, you know, we don't even want to think about, God still wants them saved. All nations, all people. God loves every person. And so that's our charge, to go to all the nations. Let's go there to Luke 24. Again, in one of his uh, discussions after his resurrection, Luke 24, 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There's our call for us to ask God for the wisdom we need to understand scripture from James. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. We understand that. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Your witnesses of these things. There's the all the nations again. And here he's a little more specific calling for repentance. A change of life, a change of heart to follow the Lord and not to follow Satan, not to follow the world, not to follow self or someone else. And that's what every person needs. Repentance for forgiveness of sins leads to being baptized into Christ. The change of heart to accept all that he commands. The full remission of sins the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, but the blood of Christ can. It removes them all, every last one, no matter how many, and how many heinous, no matter how often. The blood of Christ can remove your sin. It should be a great comfort. But 
We have to admit and confess them and bring them to Christ. All are welcome in Christ's kingdom, all the nations. Okay, back to uh, chapter 28. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. He said to go and make disciples, okay? Disciple is a learner and a follower. Disciples of him, okay, of Jesus. And this is, Don pointed this out in one of our studies, that this is actually here what the Greek means, that this is the way you make disciples. It's kind of a two-part thing. They are baptized and then they are taught. But that whole thing encompasses how a disciple is made. And the first being, they're baptized into Christ, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old American standard Bible actually got that right. And some of you in your footnotes might have it there. The word is actually into the name. It's into the name, and it represents being baptized into Christ. You become part of him then. We're going to see there in Galatians 3.27. And I was just thinking about this, and I don't have it in the lesson. There's all the Godhead. Right? Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all involved in salvation. And have been from the beginning. Been involved in in the whole thing. So we're baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27. Many of you can quote that passage. Paul writes there, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, been clo- have clothed yourselves with Christ or have put on Christ, depending on your translation. So that's the way we get into Christ. And if that's a great study when you study through the New Testament about all the things that are in Christ. Find that phrase, in Christ, and you'll know all the things that are in Christ. Salvation, grace, peace, forgiveness. It's all in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't really have it. So this is the first part of making disciples, bringing them into Christ through baptism. And then the second, they must be taught to observe, as he says, all, or all the things, translations say, all that I have commanded you. So, uh, you know, that would be what is revealed by God in the New Testament, through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, ultimately, as all these things are revealed. So, uh, you know, it's a two-part thing. Now, I want to be very careful here, but I want us to understand this. You know, if we're, we can be baptized into Christ Jesus which is praise the Lord that you have made that decision. But if you're not learning and following, then your discipleship is failing. Okay? Because to be a disciple, you must be in Christ, and then you must be following or doing what he commands, or at least trying to do your best. We know we all fail. And then on the other hand, you might be doing a lot of good things. All right? and even maybe in the name of Christ Jesus. But if you've not been baptized into Christ Jesus, 
what does that say? Your, your being a disciple is really lacking in that department because you've not really acknowledged him, you're not really in Christ. So both of these are necessary to really be a follower and a disciple of Jesus, to be baptized into him and then to be engaged in learning and doing everything that he teaches. The church has the responsibility to teach and the believers have a responsibility to learn and to do. It's, you see, this, this is the only way that evil can be defeated. We can't be wishy-washy about it. You have to be in Christ where there is forgiveness of sin. Otherwise, you still have your sin and the devil's going to win in the end. And if you're not being a good follower then you're not being the salt of the earth, you're not being the light of the world, you're not trying to teach anybody the gospel, you're just doing whatever. And Jesus needs followers, he needs people determined to resist evil and to take this word into the world and to encourage those who are, are faithful because we all have our doubts and troubles and struggles. You know, Sister Nancy right now, I'm not saying her. She's struggling with her faith, but her faith is certainly being attacked by the evil one through her family. She needs encouraged, and others do as well. When situations arise, we help one another to stay strong against the devil. In Luke 6 there, you know, Jesus mentioned this in a couple different places. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. Uh, you know, I'm not pointing fingers, but that's just the plain truth of what he says. If you want to be my disciple, and we had a lesson on discipleship here a couple of months ago. He says, don't, don't get it wrong. This is a hard thing. You've got to give up what, you, what you're trying to do. You might have to give up your family to follow me. You've got to make that decision. And so when we come to Christ, we have to understand what's at stake, what he wants to offer us, but it's also a responsibility on our part. We have to get in there. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. You're either with him or you're against him. As we said, nobody's perfect. That's one of our little things we've been talking about here lately on the website. Nobody's perfect. But we can't choose to ignore anything Jesus said. Okay? We can't choose to ignore it and say, I don't know, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. Yeah, we'll fail. Yeah, we won't get it right sometime. And we'll, you know, maybe some things will do really good. But we have to persevere to do the will of God. All right. Back to Matthew 28 to, to sum up, to wrap up. He's given him this great charge. You've got to go into all the world with this message and do all this teaching to bring people out of the world, out of Satan's power, and into the power and the blessing of Christ Jesus. That's a great task. We were talking about this morning in the Bible study how Solomon was being given the task to build a temple. and how David kept saying to him, be courageous, stand up, do this. Well, you know, this is a mighty task here. For these, at this point, 11 men 
go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Wow. We can do that, Lord? This is why he's saying this. I have all authority. This is the way you do it. And then, what does he say? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the footnote there on the word always here, I really like it. It says all the days. I'm with you all the days, every day. We could go to Hebrews, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he says, you're not doing this alone. You're not by yourself. I'm going to help you. You have your spirit, the Holy Spirit. I'm here. I'm interceding for you. The Father's here answering your prayers. We have the word to guide us. We just have to decide, is it, it's all or nothing. I'm with you always. At no time, nor under any circumstances, will Jesus abandon us. And I want to finish here in Romans 8. It's a passage of scripture that many people like. It's their favorite. But I think it fits in here in this lesson for us to understand what it's about. This isn't just about protecting us from the devil, although it has to do with that. But this has to do with being with us as we go about in the world fighting against evil and all the things that may happen to us as we do that and as we live from day to day. And for us to understand, as we said at the beginning of the lesson, sometimes we have doubts. He's going to talk here about you know, persecutions, tribulations, famine. You know, when that comes upon us, that we start to doubt that God is with us. I think that's what this passage is. We might wonder, God, do you see? Do you know? Some of those, as Mike prayed for Christians overseas, or actually are persecuted, they're having to meet in basements and at nighttime. Some of the, those uh, in China now, the, the communists are actually coming against those house churches, putting people in prison. And you God, are you really with me? You know, what, what do you say then? Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Well, we know people will be against us, but all authority has been given to me. God is for us. So don't lose heart. He knows what's going on. He who did not spare his own son, there's a lot, we could preach a couple lessons on that. Just think about it. And Mike was talking at the table. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's going to bless you. Maybe not right at the moment when you want it and exactly the way you want it, but be patient. Have faith. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Jesus got accused of all kind of things. He knew who he was. 
He knew he was doing the right thing. Don't let it bother you. This is why we need to know the truth. The truth will make us free. And so when somebody says things and suggests things, hey, I know that's not right. Don't let it rattle you. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yet rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who also intercedes for us. Paul's talking about a higher authority. A higher authority. You've got some people down here condemn you. Well, they can do and say what they want. God knows what's going on. He raised his own son from the dead. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Whatever that is, whatever the devil throws at us, whatever the world brings on us, we conquer through Christ. This is part of being a Christian, overcoming these kinds of things. It's not about hiding in a basement somewhere and just stacking you know, all your food up in there and having a nice time. It's about getting out there and fighting against evil and knowing that whatever happens, God is with us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Go there when you're having trouble. Go there. Read it. I said before, you know, when we have trouble, we got to pray, absolutely. But we need to go to Scripture and read words that will encourage us and lift us up and give us a boost to our faith and read about those who came through things that were really bad and really hard, just like we might be facing. It's all or nothing. And at the cross... Jesus was all in, wasn't he? He was all in. He submitted to the Father's will in the garden. And he went to the cross for you and for me, for all the world. Nothing but the blood, as the song suggests. If you're not a Christian, we're talking about what we need to do to become a Christian, to become a disciple, to have life eternal, and to, to serve the Lord and have a real hope for the future. Baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then do the best with your ability, with the help of God, to follow his commandments. That's all he asks, to be all in. If you're ready to do that this morning, we can assist you. If you're a Christian and you've been struggling with your discipleship, Struggling with service, struggling with something, we're here, we can pray with you, pray for you, 
as always we say, maybe you feel uncomfortable coming up in front of the group. You can talk to one of us on the way out or even give us a call. But if the Spirit has touched you this morning, don't put it off. Don't resist. Let the Spirit work in you for obedience. Brother Jim, if you'd lead us, please.